Thank you for listening to this teaching from Kingdom Discipleship. In Jude chapter 1, we are exhorted to build ourselves up in our faith in Jesus Christ. Our spiritual growth in Jesus is ultimately not the pastor's or minister's or priest's responsibility, but ours. Do you have a lifestyle of diligently growing to know Jesus more? Are you consistently spending time reading and studying your Bible, praying and thanking Jesus, and repenting for the areas of sin and disobedience in your life? Let's open our Bible now to Jude chapter 1 and look at this incredible opportunity and responsibility we have to build ourselves up in our most holy faith in Jesus Christ our Lord. Well, good morning and welcome to another teaching. It is a Sunday morning here in Texas and hopefully y'all just loving on Jesus today, being blessed in Jesus, spending time with Jesus, growing to know Jesus, growing to love him, um, growing to know his love for you. Um, just, just having deeper and more intimate devotion and relationship with Jesus is the meaning of all life. Right? It's the reason we exist above everything else. And, 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 and growing in this is not easy, right? Sometimes we can, you know, we spiritualize this, you know, or over-spiritualize it, so to speak, where, I mean, growing in your relationship with the triune God, God the Father, God the Son, God the Holy Spirit, three separate persons, right? Um, and we have relationship with each of them if we're truly in Jesus Christ, if we're trusting and relying on Jesus alone for the forgiveness of our sins and the salvation of our soul. But growing in relationship with our Heavenly Father and with Jesus and with the Holy Spirit, it, it takes effort, it takes work, and it's it's not easy. And we were saying on Bible Study Thursday that it's not, it's 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 most often it's not fun or entertaining, but it's uh it is the most worthwhile endeavor in all of our lives, times a million. Right. Like there's nothing that compares uh, to to really pressing into Jesus and growing to know him um, and growing to know our heavenly father in Jesus and growing to know God, the Holy Spirit in Jesus. So thank you, Lord Jesus. Today um, we're looking to finish up the book of Jude. It'll it'll have been a total of three teachings. Um we have verses 17 to 25 remaining, and it's just uh, it's strong stuff from Jude. There's strong warnings um, just about uh, about Christians that that are not real Christians, but they're in the church um, and they're in the body of Christ. And yet they're they're not by any means holding to genuine biblical biblical Christianity. They don't hold to Jesus Christ as their only Lord and Savior. They turn, you know, God's grace into a license for completely ungodly living. Um, and, you know, we're warned about them. Now, also, we talked about last time how, although this isn't our lifestyle, all of us, none of us are perfect as Christians. All of us sin and we all make mistakes. But it ought to be our lifestyle to quickly repent, right? When we, when we do make mistakes, and, and and sometimes that's hard. You know, I was having a conversation with a with a brother of mine, a you know very very close brother yesterday, and I was I was last night I was a little too, 
you know, I was overbearing and, and, and you know, uh, too heavy handed. And, and I called this morning when I woke up and I was on my way to a meeting and I said, will you please forgive me? You know, I'm, I'm sorry, you know, and uh, and that's again, that's what Christianity is about, you know. Um, but, you know, it, it it was a test, right, because we have a spiritual enemy um, and the devil and the demons. And we also have our own pride. And naturally, I was thinking about how, you know, this other person could have been more reasonable with me or understanding or more loving or, you know, heard what I was saying. But it's important that we we repent of our own shortcomings, right? Um, we, we, we need to look where we were wrong, where we were out of place. And uh, we need to do that with others and with the Lord, right? Um, and so these people, though, that Jude is speaking about, their entire lifestyle is, is a sinful lifestyle, is an immoral lifestyle. It's a lifestyle of denying that Jesus Christ is the only way to heaven, the only savior, the only sovereign Lord. These are people that instead of repenting, they make excuses and give reasons as to why it's okay to be sinful. And instead of simply saying, you know, it is wrong, it's out of line, and I, and I ask you to forgive me. Um, so, well, Father, we do thank you for your word. We thank you for this book of Jude. Um, Father, I do ask you to cleanse me and forgive me of just uh, just consistently in the you know in the mistakes that that you know that I make, Lord. And uh, Father, I just ask you to help us one and all to live more for you in and through Jesus Christ, our Lord, led by the Holy Spirit. Lord Jesus, we thank you for your mercy and goodness on our lives. We thank you for becoming a human man for us, living a perfect life for us, dying a perfect torturous death for us. And we thank you that you are alive and risen and we worship you today, Lord Jesus. Holy Spirit, we ask you to open this word of God to our hearts now. Give us eyes that see and ears that hear, we pray in Jesus' name. Amen and amen. Okay, Jude 1, verses 17 to 25. But, dear friends, remember what the apostles of our Lord Jesus Christ foretold. They said to you, in the last times there will be scoffers who will follow their own ungodly desires. These men, these are the men who divide you, who follow mere natural instincts and do not have the spirit. But you, dear friends, build yourselves up in your most holy faith and pray in the Holy Spirit. Keep yourselves in God's love as you wait for the mercy of our Lord Jesus Christ to bring you to eternal life. Be merciful to those who doubt. Snatch others from the fire and save them. To others show mercy mixed with fear, hating even the clothing stained by corrupted flesh. To him who is able to keep you from falling and to present you before his glorious presence without fault and with great joy. To the only God, our Savior, be glory, majesty, power, and authority through Jesus Christ, our Lord, before all ages, now and forevermore. Amen and amen. Thank you, Lord Jesus. Just an incredible uh, ending doxology there. And, uh, you know, it's just, it's incredible. Let me read that again. To him who is able to keep you from falling 
and to present you before his glorious presence without fault and with great joy. To the only God, our Savior, be glory, majesty, power, and authority through Jesus Christ, our Lord, before all ages, now and forevermore. Amen. Wow, May. I mean, that's just, uh, it's just incredible. You see how Jude, you know, ends it. I mean, he's he's given an extremely strong exhortation here, um, you know, to us and to watch out for, for others who are, are not leading a Christian life and are looking to lead Christians astray in every way they can. I mean, undoubtedly, that could have caused his audience to, you know, to be worried about who's going to be saved or how can we be saved. And and so he ends it with this incredible exhortation, right, that, that our Heavenly Father, to him who was able to keep you from falling and to present you before his glorious presence without fault and with great joy. So although we were going through this book, although we're consistently, um, right, Esther, we're, you know, we're reminded by the scriptures to have a lifestyle of repentance and to grow in our walk with Jesus Christ um, and to see where we're out of place again and put things in order where we're not living as we ought to be, to acknowledge the sinfulness of our lives, to live in the fear of God. Um, all of that is, is something we need to do and grow and mature in, but it's, it's him without Jesus, without our heavenly father, without the Holy Spirit, none of this would be possible. Okay, I believe it's uh, Philippians 1, verse 6. Um, if we turn there, that tells us Philippians 1, verse 6 says that Paul said, Being confident of this, that he who began a good work in you will carry it on, will carry it on to completion until the day of Christ Jesus. So it's our heavenly father. Okay. And it's always in Jesus and the spirit of Jesus, the Holy Spirit. Again, it's always the cooperation of the triune God, okay, um, in, in the work of our life and of our salvation and of our growth and our maturity. We can do nothing in ourselves, okay? So look at what he says here. So you read what Paul just said, right? That Paul is confident that our heavenly father who began the good work in us will carry it on to completion, right? Will continue to walk with us, continue to uphold us. Without his upholding hand, all of us would go astray until the day of Christ, until we return to Christ when we die or he comes and gets us, right? Verse 24, to him who is able to keep you from falling, Corinne, and to present you before his glorious presence, look at this, without fault and with great joy, Wow. So our heavenly father, all right, when we leave this life and we go to heaven in Jesus and only in Jesus, as he says to the only God, our savior, be glory, be glory, majesty, power and authority through Jesus Christ, our Lord. So it's through Jesus Christ only that we're presented before our heavenly father in heaven without fault. Although all of us are riddled with faults, riddled with sins, me most of all, okay, um, we are presented before our Heavenly Father perfect in Jesus Christ. 
It's incredible to him who is able to keep you from falling. And he's saying falling away from Jesus. If you're genuinely a Christian, if you've truly put your faith and trust in Jesus Christ today, if you're clinging to Jesus alone for the forgiveness of your sins, the salvation of your soul, the deliverance from eternal hell and to go to heaven when you die. Um, and that's genuine and that's true, right? You're just not a, someone who says I'm a Christian and you believe in Jesus intellectually, but you're not genuinely trusting in him alone, right? Um, if you're a genuine Christian, your heavenly father will keep you from falling away. You will, we know you're a genuine Christian because you'll continue to persevere in Christ, okay? Um, you know, someone who says I was once a Christian, but then says later, you know, you know, well, that was all malarkey. Yeah, that's not true. Jesus is not the only way. They're, they're, they were never genuinely saved. Now, listen, this is important. I'm not, all of us go through doubts. I'm not talking about doubts. I'm talking about someone that says, yeah, I was raised a Christian or they were a Christian for a while. And, you know, and they're still in their right mind, so to speak. Right. And now they're just leading others astray and saying, yeah, I don't believe in Jesus or I'm an atheist or Jesus is not the way they were never genuinely saved. If you're genuinely saved, if you're truly trusting in Jesus Christ, if you're part of the body of Christ, right? Jesus Christ is your husband. You're, you're part of the bride of Christ. God, the father is your heavenly father. Jesus is never going to divorce you. Your father's never going to disown you. Okay. So you cannot lose your salvation. Okay. If you're genuinely in Christ, your heavenly father will keep you from falling. Now, again, obviously our cooperation with that shows that we're genuinely in Christ, right? To him who was able to keep you from falling and to present you before his glorious presence without fault, and with great joy, we're not just going to limp into heaven, so to speak. We're not just going to go there and be kicking stones and saying, oh, I'm just some miserable sinner. And we shouldn't do that here either. Because in Christ, we are without fault. It's incredible. And living this life and teaching these scriptures, trying to have a balance of knowing that we're perfect in Christ and without sin because Jesus paid our entire debt, yet living this life knowing that we don't take the grace of God for granted and we want to live holy and Christ-like lives and repent of our sin and mistakes. Having that balance is, is extremely important, right? We don't want to go too far to the left or too far to the right, okay? Um, I mean, you don't want to have an attitude that just says, well, you know, I'm in Jesus now, so it doesn't matter what I do. All of my sin is covered. I'm going to heaven. Let's just sin it up, right? Let's just make every mistake we can, right? Certainly that's ridiculous. And Jude even mentions that, you know, we don't turn the grace of our God and what Jesus has done into a license to sin, although we all do make mistakes, right? But we don't just live like that intentionally and say, well, Jesus died for me. And then we can go, you know, uh, too far to the right and we don't pay any attention to what Jesus done. And we just keep saying, well, I'm a wretched sinner. I'm a wretched sinner. I'm a terrible man. We you don't want to overdo it either way, right? You want to walk in the freedom of what Jesus paid for you. Um, but at the same time, you do want to, to be convicted. We want to be convicted when we're out of place and when we say wrong things and do wrong things. And, and we want to have a lifestyle of joyous repentance, right? Um, thank you, Lord Jesus, right? But it says that, that he'll present us in his glorious presence without fault and with great joy. 
We ought to have joy now that we're forgiven in Jesus. And when we get to heaven, you're not going to be ashamed. There is no shame or guilt or condemnation, even today, right? Those are not of God. We do have conviction, right? But we're convicted in joy that we now see and that the Holy Spirit has revealed to us. And to someone like me, he's got to reveal it to me seemingly hundreds of times, Right. And I said, I, and I'm getting better and I'm trying to mature and where I would make the same mistake. You know, who knows, uh, you know, a hundred times a year. Now, hopefully I'm making it 20. Um, and, and again, whatever it is. Right. Um, you know, it, all of us have different areas of weakness in our life. All of us have different areas of strength. OK, um, we ought not be in, you know, gross, immoral sin by by any means. But. Again, I mean, all of us struggle with pride, right? Um, you know, we struggle with being self-serving. You know, certainly I like my own way. I'm an impatient man so much of the time. Um, and again, that's not okay either. But, you know, when we have a lifestyle of repentance, the Lord is pleased with us, right? The worst thing we can do is, is have these issues that I just, you know, I confessed and yet not acknowledge them at all. That you can be completely impatient, but deny that you're impatient or just make every excuse for your impatience. Okay. Um, you can be selfish and want your own way all the time, but just deny that. Right. We, we, we acknowledge it. And in that, a joy comes, you know, that, uh, that we know that we get up and that we have another opportunity right? To just grow in Jesus and love him, right? Um, you know, uh, the proverb says, though a, a righteous man falls seven times, right? He'll rise again, right? Um, you know, and again, uh, you know, that's someone who who's trusting in Jesus and has the righteousness of Christ and laboring to, to, to live a, a righteous life. They're not perfect, but, you know, you could fall seven times doing the same thing, right? Jesus, uh, Peter said to Jesus, how many times should I forgive my brother, you know, when he sins against me in a day? Seven times? So, so Peter has this idea of forgiveness. So listen, I know I'm supposed to forgive. So if my brother sins against me, I don't know, let's say seven times in a day, is that the number? Um, <laughs> and Jesus looks at Peter and says, no, not seven times, 70 times seven, okay? Which is to say there's no limit to how we ought to act in a forgiving way to our brothers and sisters in Christ. Um, and certainly when the Lord tells Peter that, he's showing his patience with us. Now, again, it doesn't mean we use this as a license to continue to, to be mean and heartful and sinful and all those things. Our, our repentance needs to be genuine, um, and then we need to be patient, right? And as I said, I am, I am often impatient um, with my brothers and sisters in Christ in my exhortation to them. So it's just incredible, right? Verse 25, to the only God, our Savior, be glory, majesty, power and authority through Jesus Christ, our Lord. Everything is in and through Jesus Christ, our Lord. Before all ages, now and forevermore. Amen. There is no relationship with God except through Jesus Christ, our Lord. Jesus of his own words, Stephen, in John 14, 6, said, I am the way and the truth and the life. 
No one comes to the Father except through me. His own words. Okay? Um, you know, are you trusting and relying in Jesus Christ today? Are you currently clinging to him, Alicia, for the forgiveness of your sins and the salvation of your soul? If you're not sure, you can simply stop the tape and use the words that I'm going to use. But it's not our words that save us, right? It's our genuine trust and reliance and confidence in Jesus alone that saves us confidence that it's only in Christ and the sacrifice he made at the cross and trusting in him that we're forgiven of our sin, right? That we're delivered from a destiny of eternal hell, which is where we were headed, and that we ultimately go to heaven when we die, right? I mean, Romans 10, 13 says that everyone who calls on the name of the Lord will be saved. Um, again, it's not our words that save us, but we use our words to communicate our heart, right, Jesse? We communicate our heart to Jesus, have you genuinely come before Jesus and humbled yourself, acknowledging your hopelessness, your helplessness, your desperation, knowing that without him only hell awaits? If you're not sure, just humble yourself now and go before Jesus and simply pray, Lord Jesus, I, I know that I'm a sinful person, Lord. I confess that I am a sinful person. I have done wrong, Lord. Lord, I am hopeless and helpless and utterly desperate without you. But Jesus, I believe you are the Son of God. And I believe that you did come into this world and you lived a perfect life, even for me, and died a perfect death, even for me. And I believe that you are alive and risen today. And therefore, Lord Jesus, I humble myself before you and I ask you now to come into my heart and to be the Lord of my life and to save me from my sin, and to bring me to heaven when I die. Lord Jesus, I place all my faith and hope and trust and confidence in you alone to save me and to be my everlasting Lord and God. That's, that's, a, that's how you become a Christian. Now, again, I, I want to warn against just going through the motions, okay? Again, a Christian is someone who's trusting and believing in Christ, but in faith, you know, we... You know, we, we, we have an action in faith. You know, we call out to him. That's why Romans 10, 13 says everyone who calls on the name of the Lord will be saved. It's not the calling that saves us. It's Christ that saves us. But it's in that calling that we, we demonstrate our faith, right? And that we want Jesus. So again, if you're not sure, just use those words. But, you know, humble yourself and with as much genuineness and sincerity as you can, as, as you know how. Give your life to Jesus today and you'll become a child of God. But it's only in Jesus Christ. Without Jesus, no one can know Christ. All 8 billion people in the world today need Jesus. And without Jesus, only eternal hell awaits. Those are his words, right? So again, yes, I understand that comes off as, uh, you know, as, as harsh I understand that it comes off as, uh, you know, it's not tolerant. That's, the, that's what the Bible teaches. So it's the most loving thing that we can do is to share the truth so that everyone can escape hell and eternal separation from the triune God, y'all. So no one's trying to be intolerant. No one's trying to be unloving. It's the opposite. In love, we're trying to share the truth. So that everyone gives their life to Jesus. I hope that makes sense to y'all. So, amen and amen. All right. 
So we did those last two verses, which are so incredible. Verse 17, but dear friends, remember what the apostles of our Lord Jesus Christ foretold. This is what we do. This is why we teach the Bible is so that, that I myself and all the hearers remember what the apostles of the Lord Jesus Christ have said. When you read your Bible, right, Susan, when you read and study the scriptures, Pop, okay, you're remembering what the apostles of our Lord Jesus Christ said. You're remembering the word of God. This is why you study the scriptures. We need to remember the word of God and meditate on the word of God. And when you listen to these teachings, right, Rap, we're, all we're doing is going through the word of God and being washed in the word of God, Benny, bathed in the word of God, Peyton. This is what it's about, right? This is why we do this, Ian. But dear friends, remember what the apostles of our Lord Jesus Christ foretold. Do you remember, Chloe? This is why we exhort everyone to spend time in the word of God, right? So you remember the scriptures. You remember the truth of the word of God. It's true. The apostles wrote this, right? You know, Matthew, Mark, Luke, John, or, you know, Mark wasn't an apostle of Jesus Christ, but it's the, you know, the scripture writers, right? When you remember, well, Paul was an apostle of Jesus Christ and Peter and uh, Matthew and, you know, and John, Luke and Mark were not one of Jesus's 12 apostles, right? But, but all the writers of scripture, you know, were divinely, you know, led and inspired to write the scriptures, right? The scripture is inspired and the Holy Spirit guided them um, in the writing of the scripture. We saw that at the beginning of this book, Jude. Remember when he said, you know, I was eager to write to you, right? In verse three, dear friends, although I was eager to write to you about the salvation we share, he wanted to write this book about all the benefits of our salvation. He says, I felt I had to write and urge you to contend for the faith that was once for all entrusted for the saints. And so, you know, Jude is led by the Holy Spirit. And he said, it's urgent. I needed to urge you to contend for the faith, to stand up for the faith, the true faith that only in Jesus Christ can we be delivered from our sin. Only in Jesus Christ can we be delivered from eternal hell. Only in Jesus Christ can we come into relationship and have growing relationship and intimacy with the triune God, God the Father, God the Son, Jesus, and God the Holy Spirit. And only in Jesus Christ can we ultimately go to heaven when we die. That's the gospel. That's the good news. That's the faith that we once for all contend for, right? The world wants to get rid of that faith. We continually want to put that faith out there more and more and more. And he said it's urgent. But it was the Holy Spirit who he was sensitive to because he said he was eager to write about, you know, all the benefits and blessings of the salvation we share. But instead, he felt it urgent to write of, of why we need to contend for this faith, because the world and men and women all over the world are trying to get rid of it. Right. Trying to say all all roads lead to heaven. And if there is a God, you can just believe whatever you want. It's our job to push back against that and say, no, the Bible is true. And Jesus Christ is the only way to eternal life. But dear friends, remember what the apostles of our Lord Jesus Christ foretold. Just remember the word of God. Be in your Bible. How much time are you spending in your Bible? There's nothing in your life that's more important than spending time 
remembering the scriptures, being washed in the water of the word of God. Verse 18, they said to you in the last times there will be scoffers who will follow their own ungodly desires. Now, again, here it is. All of us, you know, oftentimes follow our ungodly desires. But when we do that, there's a grief, right? We know it's wrong. There's a conviction. We say, yeah, I know it's wrong. If Jesus Christ is living in you, there'll be a conviction, right? Because you look at verse 19 says, these are the men who divide you and who follow mere natural instincts and do not have the spirit, okay? Only a genuine Christian has the Holy Spirit living in them. Only a genuine Christian has Jesus Christ living in them. You're actually married to Jesus, right? The Spirit of God, the Holy Spirit, has come and joined himself to your spirit and given you spiritual life. You're a spiritual being in Jesus as well as a natural being. Without Christ, every person is spiritually dead. They're naturally alive, but their spirit is dead to God because of sin. When you receive Jesus Christ as your Savior, the Spirit of Jesus, the Holy Spirit, comes and joins himself to your spirit, and an explosion of spiritual life happens, and you become a, a spiritual being as well. You are born again spiritually, right? You were already naturally alive, but now you've become spiritually alive because the Spirit of Jesus, the Holy Spirit, has given you spiritual life by becoming one with you. And now you're married to Jesus. You're one with Jesus in spirit, okay? We see when husband and wife come together in sexual intimacy, they're one physically. When you receive Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior, you're one with him spiritually. And now you have the spirit of God living in you. Literally, Jesus Christ is living in you. Colossians, I believe it's 127, says Christ in you, the hope of glory. That's our only hope. But you notice it says, these are the men who divide you, who follow mere natural instincts and do not have the spirit. Okay. If you're a genuine Christian today, the spirit of Jesus is living in you. And, you know, you won't be led only by natural instincts. Your whole life won't be dominated by near by mere natural instincts, selfish instincts, immoral instincts. If 98% of your life is still dominated by physical pleasures, um, you know, just by pride, by anger, by bitterness, by revenge, by gossip, by greed, by being self-serving, then again, you want to stop the tape, go back, and give your life to Jesus Christ. Because again, a genuine Christian who has the Spirit of God living in them certainly lives and makes mistakes and has and is not perfect, right? But because the Spirit of God is living in them, they're convicted over it. They know it's wrong. They, they're not proud of it. They're not happy about it. They're not okay about it. They want to do better. It bothers them, okay? But you can see that these particular people, it says they do not have the Holy Spirit in them. And without the Holy Spirit, you're led only by natural instincts, okay? Like, an, like any beast, like any animal, like any dog or lion or tiger or bear, right? You're led only by natural instincts, right, Tom? Um, and so, and, and we follow 
that person can only follow their ungodly desires. <clears throat> they can do some good by the common grace of God that the Lord has given the earth, that everyone can, can do good by the common grace of God. But the vast majority of their lifestyle is just following their natural instincts, like animals, like beasts, right? Um, because they don't have the spirit of Jesus in them. Verse 20. But you, dear friends, <clears throat> build yourselves up <clears throat> in your most holy faith and pray in the Holy Spirit. Now, this is a, this is an incredibly important scripture. They all are. But look at, look at this, Becky. But you, dear friends, build yourselves up in your most holy faith and pray in the Holy Spirit. Right. Do, do you see that, Scott? You see that rap? Whose responsibility is your spiritual growth? Jude chapter one, verse 20, but you, dear friends, build yourselves up in your most holy faith. You see that, Jason? It's our job uh, to be the ones who are taking control of our spiritual maturity and our spiritual growth in Christ. It's not the pastor's job. It's not your mom's job. It's not your children's job. Certainly, you want to, to put yourselves in front of men and women of God right, who, who care about your soul and who want to build you up. But ultimately, it's our responsibility to build ourselves up in our faith, to grow and mature in our faith in Jesus Christ. These teachings and what we do here on, you know, for all the podcasts and YouTube, uh, they're given to help you to build yourselves up. The preacher or the minister is given to help you. So when you listen, it helps you to build yourselves up. But it's, it's your and I's responsibility personally, all of us as Christians individually to cooperate with the Holy Spirit of God who lives in us to grow and mature in our faith. OK, when we get to heaven, we're not going to be able to blame when we stand before Jesus and give an account of our lives. This has nothing to do with our salvation. We're we're at this judgment for rewards. We're not going to be able to blame some pastor somewhere else or what they did or what they didn't do. We're not gonna be able to say, well, you know, the church didn't treat me right, or I was hurt, or I got wounded at this time. None of that's gonna, gonna matter, okay? Uh, Jesus himself didn't hurt you. Jesus gave his life for you. Now, certainly I myself have said hurtful things, right? And many ministers, none of us are perfect. Many have said wrong things, many done abusive things, okay? But Jesus didn't do that, okay? So it's, it's your job and my job to build ourselves up using all the resources, all the pastors and teachers um, that the Lord has given us and all the resources that are provided, right? To help us know the word of God and the son of God better. But it's our job, but you dear friends, build yourselves up in your most holy faith. You need to take control of your spiritual growth in Christ. And again, you do that by spending time in the word of God, spending time meditating on the scriptures, you know, having joy where you see you're walking with Jesus, being convicted and having joy where you're out of place and need to repent and you're, you repent and do better. And you're, you're, you're increasingly giving your, more of your time and your gifts and talents and more of your resources and money into the advancement of the gospel, into the advancement of the Son of God and the Word of God, right? And as you do all these things, you're growing to be more spiritually mature and your, your walk with Jesus will grow and you'll have greater intimacy, right, Jose? But you, dear friends, build yourselves up in your most holy faith and pray in the Holy Spirit. 
Okay, It's the Holy Spirit of God that lives in us. If you're a genuine believer, the Spirit of Jesus, God the Holy Spirit, lives in us. It's actually a, a person. Okay, he's, he's part of the Godhead, but he's a separate person. Right? And you know, you have relationship with the Holy Spirit in Jesus Christ, and it's the Holy Spirit who's leading you to pray, convicting you to pray, right? He's consistently leading you to Jesus and pointing you to Jesus and, and leading you to pray and leading you to repent, okay? Um, and that's just in your natural prayer. And then also, right, for those who desire it and earnestly desire it, the Holy Spirit can give special gifts, a gift of tongues, right? Where it's a, <clears throat> it's not a, a known language, but it's just a, a spiritual gift. And again, I'm not going to get into all that right now. Um, but the Holy Spirit can, can lead you in a gift of tongues, right? Which is not a known language where you're, you're praying and being led by this, the Holy Spirit in a, in a, in a, in a prayer language that you don't understand, right? It, it can be a heavenly prayer language, right? And so in all these ways, we build ourselves up by cooperating with the Holy Spirit and praying in the Holy Spirit, being led by the Holy Spirit in our normal prayer lives, right? Just praying words that we understand, praying our prayers, right? Interceding and praying for others. Um, and also, like I said, there's a, a gift of tongues that to those who earnestly desire it, the the, the scripture says the, the spirit of God will give this gift and he can lead you and does lead you in praying in this unknown language. And you generally don't even know what you're saying, right? But you're being led by the Holy Spirit. And again, that's a, a sensitive topic to many. Um, and we won't go into that here. Okay. Verse 21, keep yourselves in God's love as you wait for the mercy of our Lord Jesus Christ to bring you to eternal life. One of the ways to keep yourselves in the love of God is that you wait for the mercy of our Lord Jesus Christ. The more you understand your need of mercy, mercy is when you do not get punishment from God that you do deserve. That's mercy. And so you extend mercy. You don't give punishment to others. You don't demand justice from people who have wronged you, right? You're continually showing mercy and forgiveness. And in this way, you keep yourselves in the love of God. You also do it by doing everything else that Jude has talked about, right? When we see ungodly behaviors, right? We want to repent over them. And again, when we see these individuals who call themselves Christians, but they're just living in rogue disobedience with no repentance, no desire, you know, you know, we, we confront them. Right. And we talk to them about it and we urge them, as he's going to say here in the next verse. But do you have a lifestyle of keeping yourself? Once again, he puts the responsibility on you. Keep yourselves in God's love. OK, it's our responsibility to walk in the love of God as you wait for the mercy of our Lord, Lord Jesus Christ to bring you to eternal life. Again, we were saved and we're brought to eternal life. We're brought to heaven by his mercy. Do you read it there? You see it, Corinne? Keep yourselves in God's love as you wait for the mercy of our Lord Jesus Christ to bring you to eternal life. It's nothing we do, Uncle Dennis. It's humbling ourselves and putting our pride down and say, Lord, I need your mercy. I need your forgiveness. I need you to pay my sin debt. I need the sacrifice that you gave on the cross for the forgiveness of my sins, Lord. There's nothing I can do, Lord. I need mercy. I'm an object of mercy, 
okay? That's all that will bring us to eternal life is our trust and reliance and confidence in Jesus Christ alone and what he did at the cross, which is entirely a mercy to us. We didn't deserve it. We don't deserve it. As sinful men and women, all 8 billion people of us in the world today deserve eternal hell, but it's the mercy of Jesus and receiving him, as John 1.12 said, right? To all who received him, Jesus, to those who believed in his name, he gave the right to become children of God, right? Keep yourselves in God's love. Are you laboring, Ian, in the love of God? Are you laboring, Chloe, to keep yourself in God's love, growing to know his love for you, growing to love him and loving others in mercy and forgiveness? Verse 22 and 23, and we'll end here. Be merciful to those who doubt. Snatch others from the fire and save them. To others show mercy mixed with fear, hating even the clothing stained by corrupted flesh. This is incredible. So you see, we have to show discernment. Again, this has consistently been in my, my time as a Christian coming up on 25 years. I, I consistently make this mistake, but be merciful to those who doubt. So if, if someone who is just struggling with doubts but yet they're sincere and they want to know Jesus, well, be merciful, okay? You don't have to be overbearing and, and you know, and harsh, right, to certain people, right? You, you want to use discernment. There are people who, you know, who, who have doubts and you, you want to extend more and more mercy. But then look what he says, verse 23, snatch others from the fire and save them. So that yet then there are other people who are so close to hell so far on the wrong track that we really do need to be a, more assertive and use more of a correction and more of a rebuke, right? And again, all of this is out of love. To others show mercy mixed with fear, meaning we do this not with pride, knowing that we ourselves are complete objects of mercy, that we ourselves are sinners, not in an, an overbearing, demanding way, right? But there are times for that, but never forgetting what we are, right? And how we ourselves are, are hopeless sinners who only in our Savior, Jesus Christ, right? Jason, can we be made well? Be merciful to those who doubt. So you see, we need to have a a growing discernment with how to deal with people. And again, I confess this is something that I need to do so much better. I'm generally too assertive all the time. Be merciful to those who doubt. Snatch others from the fire and save them. To others, show mercy mixed with fear, hating even the clothing stained by corrupted flesh. Meaning to those people who are walking in sin, make sure that you yourself don't get caught up in it. Make sure when you're showing mercy, that you know that you yourself are subject to temptation and weakness and sinfulness. So when you're dealing with people who are living in the world, you need to have the fear of God that you yourself don't get caught up in it, right? Golly, thank you, Lord Jesus. Wow. Man, that's, that's heavy, Gwenda, isn't it? Man. Well, and then we already, we already went through this. Finally, Jude ends to him who is able to keep you from falling. Thank you, Father and to present you before his glorious presence without fault and with great joy. Thank you, Father. We look forward to being in your presence without fault and with great joy. To the only God, our Savior, 
be glory, majesty, power, and authority through Jesus Christ our Lord, only in Jesus, before all ages, for all time, all history, before all ages, now and forevermore. Wow. Amen. Father, we worship you. We thank you. We praise you. We love you. We thank you for your word. We thank you for this Bible. We thank you for this incredible one chapter book of Jude. Father, we just worship you and love you and thank you. Help us, Father, to to live our lives and to walk this book out and to apply it to our lives. Lord Jesus, I pray you would have mercy on us and draw all those that don't know you under yourself, Lord. Draw them into salvation in you alone. Holy Spirit, we ask you to convict us of, of the areas that are out of place in our lives and convict us that we might have joy and conviction, that we wouldn't feel shame or condemnation or guilt, but that we would, we would have joy in Jesus Christ our Lord and even joy in putting the areas in our life that are out of place into place. Father, we love you, we bless you, and we thank you. We commit this time into your hands. Holy Spirit, we ask you to seal the message in this book to our hearts in Jesus' name. In Jesus' name and for Jesus' sake. Amen and amen.